From Finance and Commerce, this is Beyond the Skyline, a podcast about economic development, commercial real estate, and construction in Minnesota. In each episode, you will meet business leaders, builders, entrepreneurs, and big thinkers. I'm David Bolander, editor of Finance and Commerce. Thanks so much for joining. Beyond the Skyline is sponsored by Ironmark Building Company. Whether it's a new luxury apartment building in the North Loop or expanding the community in the suburbs, Ironmark builds quality projects for discerning clients. Ironmark's foundation is built on a culture of collaboration with clients and projects that stand the test of time. Talk to Ironmark's award-winning team about your next construction project today. Go to ironmarkbuildingco.com. In this episode, Mobilize Design and Architecture co-founder Jamil Ford talks to FNC reporter J.D. Duggan. Ford discusses his career, opportunities in North Minneapolis, and his vision for the Upper Harbor Terminal. Hey, all right. Today we have Jamil Ford, co-founder of Mobilize Design and Architecture. He's especially been involved in designing projects in North Minneapolis, and he's currently involved in the Upper Harbor Terminal. Uh, Hey, Jamil, thanks for being here. Thank you, J.D. It's a pleasure to not only... uh, be here in the new year having this conversation, but it's uh, an honor to have this opportunity to share my views and opinions. Awesome. Yeah, appreciate it. Uh, first, tell me a bit about yourself. How long have you been in this business? How'd you get into this business? So I've been uh, involved in architecture for 20 plus years now. Uh, originally, I was uh, introduced to architecture uh, over at North Community High School, where I was exploring uh, two years of engineering as well as uh, architecture or architectural drafting. Um, I spent two years uh, designing residential homes. And then I also spent two years uh, exploring uh, designing a solar solar boat and competing at a state statewide uh, competition level. And so that Originally, uh, sort of piqued my interest, but I also had uh, some really good uh, connections back to uh, a counselor that had a relationship with HGA Architects, where I had an opportunity to uh, gain access to an internship, a summer internship. And then I also had uh, a career fair where I met Mohammed Lawal, uh, which is over at LSE Architects. And then I also had an individual, uh, Paul Bachnight, that was also heavily involved in mentoring me uh, through uh, North High and some of the architectural projects that came through there. And uh, I also had some exposure to an architecture youth program that uh, Mohammed Lawal led at the time as well. So that was my early initial uh, access to architecture. Um, beyond that, I went to the uh, University of Minnesota and had an opportunity to continue my internship, leading me into the shops department over at HGA, which then led me into uh, healthcare architecture over there. Um, spent some time there and eventually ended up over at Collaborative Design Group, spent five years there doing uh, large scale uh, master uh, campus. Uh, master planning, uh, did a lot of adaptive reuse, a lot of multi-housing architecture, historic uh, preservation, as well as a few other uh, cool projects. And um, 
And that, that sort of led me into uh, five years of being over there, which eventually uh, led me into uh, running and operating uh, mobilized design and architecture. Yeah. <clears throat> so how long has that been? So it's that's been almost uh, almost 24 years now. Wow. Awesome. <laughs> What would you say, you know, you've had all this time, you're, you're at it, you have things on the horizon. What are your goals as an architect? Um, my goals are to uh, continue, uh, continue to have uh, direct impact in more of the eyes and ears of uh, the urban core, not only North Minneapolis, but many communities above and beyond uh, North Minneapolis. Um, I would say uh, it's my goal to explore and uh, meet not only the needs of one's own interest uh, as a client, but also to have the impact on their neighbors uh, and hopefully the blocks and the communities in which they not only touch, but have an opportunity to impact through uh, creative design, uh, creative opportunities to explore and go beyond uh, the interest of traditional construction, as well as um, the impact on uh, the construction industry as a whole. Oh, sorry, oh. I was muted there. That was my oh. bad. Um, what are some projects right now that you're you're especially proud of? What are some things you've completed recently, or some things you're you're currently working on? Uh, some of the projects that we've recently completed was uh, Sabathany Senior Housing in South Minneapolis. Um, that was our first uh, senior housing project. And one of the things that I would like to say about that project is uh, that's probably one of the oldest African-American uh, organizations in, in, in Minneapolis or the Twin Cities in terms of uh, community outreach and some of the impact that they've had, specifically in the Black community. And I think one of the positives coming out of that project was knowing that they've had had project goals of providing senior housing in the community for decades and to sort of see that not only come to life uh but also work with individuals uh, that have been been around with that organization for well well around i would say 50 years and so to help some of the seniors actually see that come to fruition uh, was a, a really good um, opportunity to see the pride, the joy, and, and what that sort of means to those residents. Um, another project that was very comparable in terms of impact was SD's Funeral Chapel. Uh, once again, that project uh, came came to me based on relationships, but I would say um, because of the uh, transformation of the North Point uh, Health and Wellness expansion, I had an opportunity to work with April Estes, uh, the owner of uh, Estes Funeral Chapel. And she told me directly that, hey, she, she wanted me to work directly with her in developing her future uh, space for uh, her facility. And I would say one very similar uh, component to that was going above and beyond the standards of traditional architecture. Um, I definitely wanted to make sure that 
this facility was modern, uh, but also had the ability to uh, be multifunctional. Um, I didn't want it want it to look like a traditional funeral uh, chapel. I wanted to have you know a distinct characteristic that really uh, spoke to their branding and their future uses of that facility. And so, because we looked at it beyond the typical scope uh, scopes of services. Uh, we had the ability to start thinking outside of the box and how they access and product, uh, produce their um, connections back to their uh, users. And so we we were doing things like virtual uh, access to um, individuals that may be overseas or uh, locked up uh, or incarcerated. And, and so we wanted to create access and by simple things like providing virtual connections, even with the pandemic hitting, we had the opportunity to be well ahead of the curve. Um, in all of the rooms in that building, there was uh, video access. Uh, so whether it was streaming uh, online videos, um, you know, uh, images of, you know, the uh, individuals that may have been uh, having services or memorials there at the facility. Uh, we had all of those uh, access points um, in all of the rooms. And then even in the restrooms, we had audio for mothers that may be uh, nursing and, and various things like that. And so we went outside of doing the work that we did from an architectural standpoint. But um, three months after construction started, one of the big things that stood out for me was uh, the recognition of their overall revenue and what they were able to produce. Um, found out that within that first three months, they were able to capitalize on one year's revenue prior to construction starting, which was a testament that great design does matter. Uh, that facility went from being a black funeral chapel to just a great funeral chapel. And I think it's something that everybody from the community can embrace. And that's that's what really stood out for me on a project like that. Yeah, that's awesome. You you were also talking about, so you're doing stuff with Upper Harbor Terminal. You were telling me a bit about the, uh, was it the color scheme and how it's related? It has a unique color scheme. Can you speak about that a little bit and where that comes from? Yeah, so in the Upper Harbor Terminal, um, there was a few different characteristics that stood out for me uh, in working on that project was, um, you know, once again, I think because this is a BIPOC-led uh, initiative in terms of the development efforts, as well as minority participation um, in serving and meeting the needs of the African-American community, as well as others, I thought it was very important that we had a metaphor or themes that really st stood out in terms of the uh, the northern stars. Uh, you know, um, when you begin to think about the Mississippi River, which is the American Nile, um, it really made me think about you know what this culture not only means from a, a melting point here in the Upper Midwest, but also uh, the culture that has been embraced, whether it's music and uh, the many different cultures that have evolved and, and have been housed here over, over the years. 
And so uh, when you start thinking about the African-American experience and even the history of traveling north, whether it's through the Great Migration or through the efforts of um, uh, you know, access to uh, being free from the South, uh, you know, um, you know, looking to the Northern Star and and um, what that that really meant for African Americans, but also from the European or Norwegian or the North Stars hockey team, or the now we begin to look at our Vikings and that that Northern. Um, experience of connecting back to uh, that celestial thing once again um, and tying that back. And so as I started looking at the facade, I wanted it to not only have an experience both during the daytime, but also in the evening hours. And so in the evening hours, the black facade would sort of dissipate and go away, yet the windows would sort of be large and open and, and sort of give that uh, celestial look of, you know, different uh, stars opening up into that space in the upper arbor terminal. And so um, during the daytime, we have uh, metal ribs that are very tight, tightly placed together at the base of the building. And they sort of um, open up and uh, spread towards the uh, upper portion of the building uh, as you get closer to the roof roof lines and so i wanted that ribbing to uh, cascade shadows onto the facade and so you get these different shades of gray uh, that also allows for a different uh, perspective as you look at the building off of the river or even from north minneapolis or from the south to the north of the structure itself yeah Awesome. Uh, having seen the renderings, uh, I, I think it looks great. I think it looks really cool. Yeah. Daytime, it'll be really, um, really cool to see it at night too, and see what you're talking about. You've mostly done work in North Minneapolis, right? Can you speak to that? Why, why, why North Minneapolis? Well, you know, when we first started our firm, um, I had the opportunity to make a connection with a local church. Uh, it was a Redeemer a Lutheran Church on Glenwood Avenue, and it was a small project. It was a bicycle shop. But once again, even small in scale, it had a big community connection because there was no bike shops in North Minneapolis at the time. And, you know, the whole ideal around Venture North Bike Shop, you know, working with uh, some of the collaborators and partners on that project. Even just coming up with that name was very important. But to see the pride and joy, once again, with the community getting involved, providing a local amenity, such as bicycling and, and access to bicycling, um, and not only looking at it from a for-profit side of things, but also from the nonprofit side. So working with kids, youth, families, to introduce uh, them to bicycling. Uh, was very important to me. And so going beyond the bricks and mortar of just a building uh, was very important. But during that time, uh, Devin George, he had the opportunity to retire from the NBA. And he had spent about 11 years in the league. Um, he was a childhood friend of mine. And 
when he returned, he said, Jamil, uh, you know, I want to, I want to look beyond just typical toy Turkey drive that most, most athletes, um, come back to their communities and provide. And so one of the big things that we explored was property that his father owned on Penn and Golden Valley Road. And it was directly adjacent to some city owned parcels. And one of the big things that I said was, you know, what, what could the, the, the highest and best use of this parcel be? And what are the needs of a community? And we began to think about housing and a shortage of food uh, in regards to more of a, a food desert. Very similar to housing, we see that there's a great need for affordable housing. And so we began to try to explore and see what the possibilities were there. And so that was sort of the kickoff, me getting heavily involved in multi-housing apartments. And so with that project, I think at the time, I think the Pope was traveling to America and we were trending number two right behind the Pope coming to America. And I think that was in 2017. But um, that, too, was a, a very uh, challenging yet um, cool project to work once again with the community and, and showing them something different from what they had saw. Uh, there, was a, there was initially a lot of naysayers because of the housing stock that exists just west of that property. And so we had to literally work with residents in reassuring and building up the relationships to show and prove to let them know that, hey, we're we're trying to provide good quality housing that goes beyond what what's been demonstrated on this quarter of the past. Yeah. So you're talking about the possibilities in North Minneapolis. I know you've also spoken to KMOJ about revitalization efforts in the area. What what opportunities do you still see in North Minneapolis, and how do you see kind of various stakeholders, investors, developers uh, jumping on those opportunities? So I think there's a lot of different uh, advantages, specifically in North Minneapolis, when you start talking about regional rail coming through the community. Um, I know for every million dollars that's invested, it's a 16-fold return, and um, you know that's you know roughly 32. A million dollars that would be, you know, reinvested in this community along that corridor. And, um, you know, everybody talks about gentrification and the, the scariness of displacing individuals and people. And I would just say that gentrification is not always bad when it could be people of color that are providing and have the access into the community which is needed from uh, income uh, and uh, revenue standpoint uh, for our community. Um, I, I look forward to a day when we can look at West Broadway as a commercial corridor that's surrounded by for-profit businesses, uh, preferably owned and operated by BIPOC businesses. Um, and And once again, whenever we can have space and opportunities for the Kevin Kevin Garnett's attorneys, doctors, and other professionals to live and reside in our community. I think that's a great um, access point for 
people that may not necessarily have access to uh, better incomes and and just the exposure point in seeing opportunities for them to build those relationships to begin to sort of see and understand that hey you know even if i don't have the necessary income levels of this other individuals i have the possibilities of becoming or increasing their uh, exposure points through improving their skill levels getting education and uh, going above and beyond that as well yeah Awesome. Jamil, I don't think I really have any other questions. Was there anything you wanted to add that I didn't ask about? You know, I would just say that um, in the work that I've been providing, specifically around multi-housing, you know, one of my big challenges back to individuals like Devin George and other developers is, you know, how do we go above and beyond the status quo of affordable housing? How do we begin to look at it as attainable housing? And more so, how do we begin to create access points for those individuals that may have uh, lower income levels to increase and improve those opportunities. And so one of the big things that I would like to uh, look forward to through projects like the Upper Harbor Terminal uh, Project 6A um, is to begin looking at luxury living at an affordable price um, and pushing the pendulum forward to uh, providing better jobs in our community uh, through a future modular uh, housing facility where individuals can work year-round in t-shirts and eliminate a lot of the barriers uh, that currently uh, exist in the construction field. And so um, we're going to continue to push forward and hard on uh, creating access points both through training as well as uh, increasing one's ability to build their skill level, but also uh, striving and pushing uh, our youth for better educations as well. Yeah. Awesome. Sounds great. Thank you so much for taking the time. No, thank you. This has been uh, a great honor. And once again, JD, uh, thank you for your time. Of course. Take care. See ya. Thank you.